Hi, everybody. Welcome to We Gotta Talk. I'm Sunny. I'm so glad you're here. Happy 2024. Lots to catch up on on the personal side of things, but maybe you're kicking off your new year with some resolutions or intention to take better care of yourself. So if you've been here a little while, you know that a huge part of our discussions um, are all about self-care, whether it's beauty or wellness or health. Um, I love bringing you interviews with founders, with people, with experts who help you hone in on small moments during your day or during your routine that can help you take better care of yourself. And this week's episode definitely falls into that category. I'm interviewing the founders of Standard Self-Care, which is a self-care line, kind of self-explanatory in the name itself. Right now, they're focused on face care, but they have plans to expand. I'm interviewing Hannah Minardi and Austin Weiberg. So these guys, with the help of another co-founder, founded this group, Standard Self-Care, this company. And right now, they have a core line of facial products that I've been testing for months now because I recorded this a little while ago and I will tell you this, their Omega cleansing balm has lived in my vanity and I have been using it pretty much nightly to help remove makeup and kick off my cleansing process. So these are, we got to talk tested, tried, tested and approved. I'm loving the products, but I'm also loving where this conversation went beyond beauty. So let's talk a little bit more about our guest today. Um, Hannah Minardi has been in the entrepreneurial world for a while. She founded a group called With Seven, which is a socially conscious consulting firm. They have worked with brands like Nike, Target, Revolve, and Austin also is a serial entrepreneur working with e-commerce brands like Talentless, and I don't know if I'm saying this right, S-U-G-A, is it Suja, Suja Juice? <laughs> anyway, um, they are a dynamic duo and they have founded a company here and created products that I know will seamlessly integrate into anyone's routine. So in this conversation, we talk all about their line, specifically what makes it different from things that are already on the market. I will tell you something right off the bat that jumped off to me, they third-party test the safety of a lot of all of their product batches. So they're tested for things like heavy metal toxicity, mold, bacteria. And as a consumer, I know that goes really far. If you try to have just a little bit more awareness of the things that you're putting onto and into your body, that just goes really far for me, knowing that they're so confident in these products that they're actually third-party testing all of them. So of course we talk all about the line, what the word cosmeceutical means, how they treat the word clean or the concept of clean and how their products fall into that category. Some other products they're working on to sort of expand in this world. Um, and all about pretty much how and how they use their products in their own routines. Specifically, Hannah mentions, and I loved this part of the conversation, a luxury eye cream that she really wanted to model their eye cream after. And I'll let you hear in the interview itself which one she's referencing. But I've tested both the luxury product that she's referencing here and, of course, theirs, Standard Self-Care's um, eye cream. And I will tell you, it performs just as well. So I'm like really impressed as a beauty junkie. Anyhow, we talk about the benefits of streamlining your skincare routine, uh, why they created this, how it's different. And then the conversation transitions into something that I think you'll also appreciate. Um, it's all about business and entrepreneurship. Like if you are working on your own business or trying to launch a company or trying to launch a brand of some sort, um, the necessary pain and pitfalls that come with it. I know that I'm in that space and I've had huge moments of frustration 
over the past year, trying to reiterate and relaunch or launch certain aspects of my business that failed or rebrand something that just didn't land well. And so Austin and Hannah are like a treasure trove of advice and information on the entrepreneurial side of things too. So we spend a lot of time talking about that, what failure looks like as a business owner and why it's unfortunately a necessary part of launching what ultimately ends up becoming a successful business, the best way to build a team, the importance of mentors, their launch tips, all of that. So the conversation is wide ranging. It's for the beauty junkies and it's also for the people who have goals for their own personal growth in 2024. So enjoy this episode with Hannah and Austin of Standard Self-Care. Okay, guys, welcome to We Gotta Talk. Um, Hannah and Austin, thank you so much for being here today. I appreciate you guys uh, taking time. I I know that you guys both have experience um, in your own sort of respective business fields before starting Standard Self-Care. So let's start at the beginning and tell me a little bit about your backgrounds and what you guys think makes you uniquely positioned in this market, because this is a brand with a story, which I love. Yeah, well, thank you for having us, and we're excited to get to chat with you a bit more today. Um, but yeah, do you want to jump in first? Sure. Um, we started our kind of entrepreneurship career with a large CPG background, so pretty much worked on a lot of brands, a lot of fast-growing brands that were in like the stores that you normally shop for health food products in, such as Erewhon, Whole Foods, the big the big players of the game. Um, I personally worked for a juice company called Suja Juice. Um, they sold within like two years for a massive evaluation to Coca-Cola um, coming out of college. Um, I was actually like an events coordinator at the time or events manager slash coordinator where we were just going around handing out juices, getting the brand out there. Um, what kind of led me into the digital space, I would say, was every time I go to an event, you can only talk to so many people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and in order to get a brand out there, you got to talk to as many people as you possibly can about the brand. Um, that's kind of what led me into digital marketing. I realized I could reach thousands upon millions of people um, a lot faster and a lot more efficiently than going around to each and every single event that was out there. Um, once I did that, I fell in kind of love with the whole digital sphere, um, launched what is today known as like talentless and things like that um, within the clothing industry. Um, really fell in love with Shopify in that case. And I decided to kind of mix the two. Um, which is why we're in standard self-care, I would say. Um, I met Hannah upon on board because she was part of more on the branding side where I was more on like the technology side of things. Mm-hmm. So together we made a very good pair. Yeah, Hannah, you have a, a health story that sort of uh, coincides with founding this company as well. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, I had um, a bit of a flare with autoimmune um, quite a few years back and also just had always been super passionate about better for your products and just was always kind of tweaking my um, health journey I would say and I was just always someone who was looking towards how could I better my health in certain ways and I was really hyper focused on food and my workout routines and being really specific about what I put into my body and then you know, as I had a flare with autoimmune, I became more aware of also what I put on my body topically and how that can really affect um, your entire health um, from the inside out, even though you're putting it on topically, your skin is your largest organ. And so that was something that I became really, really aware of. And so with founding this company, it's called Standard Self-Care. We all wanted it to be a higher standard 
for skincare products and all the self-care products that we want to come out with in the future. And we knew that, you know, from taking things from my own journey and my other co-founders also um, wanting to make it a higher standard, we kind of brought those things into the values of the company as well. So we have a whole list of no's that we're really proud of that we don't have in all of our products. So we have no sulfates, no silicones, no parabens, but and a long list of others as well. But we also, because of my health journey, we test for heavy metals and molds in all of our products, which is super important to, honestly, to everyone. But if you have autoimmune tendencies in your body, levels of heavy metals and molds can actually really flare a lot of those symptoms. So that's something that we test for in all of our products. And we actually also publish those test results live on our website as well so that we can just be as transparent as possible. Yeah. I noticed you have some third-party testing to make yeah. sure that your, your, your batches are sort of run through for efficacy and purity, which yeah. I appreciate as a customer. Hannah, I wonder if you would share a little bit more about what your specific autoimmune issue was. I do think that we are in an era where people are more aware than ever of uh, reasons behind symptoms that we have. And um, I always say this, like we're very fortunate to live in a time where we can get specific testing for issues or reach out to these yeah. growing companies who might specialize in a certain form, for example, of heavy metal testing. Um, can you speak a little bit about your specific symptoms and what you did to pinpoint what was happening? I think that could be helpful for some people. For sure. Yeah. So I always had markers of autoimmune that would kind of come up when I do just general testing throughout the year. So I always knew I had tendencies towards it and I just had a more sensitive body, but I think I also had a really high pain tolerance. So I kind of just ignored a lot of the signs for a while. I was a part of really fast growing startups and just was always really ambitious when I was younger. So I think I just pushed it and pushed it and pushed it. And then after a season where I had probably very little sleep for a few years and was just grinding very hard with work and life and trying to keep up with both at the same time, I think I had a really big flare where I had a lot of chronic fatigue and mm -hmm. a lot of symptoms that no doctor could really prescribe exactly what was wrong. I went to every expert and they all had kind of, they would sit with me for 30 seconds and tell me like, oh, you just need to go on this medicine or, oh, you have fibromyalgia, oh, you have Lyme, you need to go on insulin and be on it for the rest of your life. So I kind of started my own journey and being my own advocate health-wise. And so it wasn't like, oh, I did one thing and that solved all my problems. It was a years long journey to kind of recover my fatigue and my energy levels and to also just find what a normal balance was so that I didn't have to go in those like waves of having a flare and then being mm -hmm. great and then flare. So I've been able to get myself to be way more consistent and be able to basically be back to normal, but it wasn't an overnight thing. Sure. And, and what routines do you rely on aside from skincare to keep your body in good shape? It sounds like you guys both probably actually had really demanding schedules. And, and Austin, like you said, part of building a company, and I think anyone who, who has started anything knows that it is like putting a face on the brand, right? Or on the product. And it is exhausting, I'm sure, to do the d digital meetings, the in-person interactions, like Austin was saying. So maybe you guys could both speak to this, the routines that keep you healthy when you're giving so much of your energy and your effort every day, like outward. Yeah, I'll just say a couple things and I'll let Austin jump into. But for me, I try to be as 
specific as I can with the things that I eat and what I put into my body. So throughout the week, we try to cook a lot of our meals at home. And I think that's like one way that you can make sure you know what you're putting in your body. And it's just as simple as ingredients as possible. And then the other part of the week, I also just try to have fun and not be too, um, I guess, concentrated on exactly the specifics of what I'm eating too, because I think your mindset plays a big mm-hmm. role as well in your health. So I think it's kind of like the balance of the two. Mm-hmm. And then also keeping up with a good workout routine is always essential for me, just getting to like move through anything that's stressing you out over the week or um, kind of, you know, after sitting also for a long time during the day, it's also just important to get moving as much as possible. Um, Also just doing things that kind of ease your mind, whether that's like being off technology for a certain amount of time or reading, things like that are really important. And of course, for both of us, a good self-care routine is really important. So love that. Austin, what do you rely on? Are you also uh, like a strict have to get out, work out at least every day? 100%. I have to get out and do something every single day for a workout. My biggest thing I'll speak from the male's perspective here is just going to the gym and lifting, right? Um, That eases tension, eases any stress that I have for the majority of the day. And then routine wise, I'm more on like the supplementation side, right? Anything from creatine, protein, anything really that helps that muscular growth and helps those workouts is huge. The number one thing I think I rely on is like a pre-workout, having a good pre-workout constantly helps me kind of whether I'm waking up at like 5 a.m. to work out or kind of splitting up the day mm-hmm. um, with my workout. It's always the number one thing that I look to to go in and have a good workout and really kind of get the energy levels back to where they should be and just clear my mind. I think that's the most important because we have multiple businesses going on here at the same time, right? Multiple things to do every single day that don't include business as well. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing is just like separating your day, taking that time to kind of pause and the only two things that I feel like I've ever been able to get my mind off of work are golf and the gym. Golf and the gym. I love it. Well, let's, I think we need to like pause for a minute and talk about weightlifting. Like I know guys have been doing this forever. Like the whole gym rat thing, like it's a thing guys have always lifted, but I just started lifting, I I guess at the beginning of this year and not like too much, maybe twice a week. And I'm slowly and steadily like building my weights up, like, you know, lifting more. And I just like, who has been hiding this from us women? for like decades. It actually, not only do the results come faster, but I just feel better. I don't know what it is about that particular type of workout, but I like women have been scared away from weightlifting for. Yeah. I think that's forever. just like a common split, right? Cause Hannah's a big runner and I'm not, even though I used to play soccer for like really competitively for 18 years, like soccer and running, even though it includes a lot of running, you distract yourself with the sport type and the sport side of things. Right. Um, so we're kind of, I'm going the opposite way as you right now. But I do see a lot more women like lifting a lot more. And I think it's super crucial to have a balance there, right? If you can do all the weightlifting you want, but then with no cardio, right, you might not be as lean as you want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and your cardiovascular health might not be as healthy as you want, as you would like it to be. So I think the fine tuning of a good balance, a good healthy balance there is crucial, along with stretching, which is also one thing that is a lot better um, than I at. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. I always, I always think it's been a male dominated sport. Obviously there's a lot of testosterone involved in lifting weights and muscular growth in general. So I think that's kind of where that stems from. But honestly, I think it's, it's a shame that it's always been held back in that manner, right? I think everyone can use more muscle in most of the ways, more strength, and it helps your other workouts as well. 
Yeah. I mean, especially getting older, you know, I'm 42 now and I'm like, if I don't directly and like make an effort to build muscle, like it's just going to go away at this point. Mm -hmm. So it's not even like building, it's like maintenance at some point. So yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I know this is like not new news to anyone or to everyone out there, but like, I just, I just, I'm really glad that like, actually my sister kind of forced me in that direction. She's like, just try it. And anyway, it's been, it's been life-changing. All right. Let's talk about the skincare products from what I'm hearing. You guys are, this is a part of an overall wellness routine or sort of philosophy that you have. Um, mm -hmm. What I like as a consumer about standard self-care, and I've been sampling the line, so I've been loving it, is that it encourages me to, to keep it simple, which is something that I always talk about on my platform. Sometimes, a lot of times, simpler is better. Can you talk about how you launched with these three products, the cleanser, the daily moisturizer, and the eye cream, and why you were deliberate about um, the idea of streamlining a routine when it came into your branding? Yeah, I think we back it up a little bit. I'll let Hannah dive into the product side. But even before that, I think with our experience in the CPG industry, specifically in health products, we noticed in marketing, we noticed that like a lot of these products are marketed towards like the ultra healthy conscious consumer, right? Mm -hmm. um, but at the end of the day, they're not really necessarily 100% healthy um, is what we found. There's multiple labels and claims out there that kind of are, for lack of a better word, maybe a little non-transparent, right? Um, and our aim to start before we even decided on products or even industry is what we didn't want to have in these products. That's where our list of no's came from. Mm -hmm. um, that's crucial to every single product that we have now and every single product that we will do in the future because that to us means true, like holistically healthy products, right? Um, and then we kind of went into currently there's, or previously there's only like me and our other co-founder who's also another male. Um, and we realized, yeah, we might need a female stance if we're going to do skincare because that's like 90% of the population that we're going to sell to, right? Um, and that's when I, I, I got Hannah on board. And obviously, she's a lot more experienced on the product side of utilizing the same products, was familiar with the industry and what products were really, really kind of innovative within the space. Mm -hmm. um, so I'll let her talk about how we chose those specific products. Yeah, I think so kind of the ethos of our brand is that it's clean beauty that's results driven. So to us, when we were developing the products and how we landed on, on the three is that whatever products we came out with, we wanted to make sure they actually gave you the results that you were looking for, mm -hmm. but also ingredients you could feel really confident in. So that's like the list that Austin was talking about, ingredients that you felt really good about. But you know, a lot of us have experience with clean beauty products. They could have the most simple ingredient label. You can pronounce everything. And then if they don't work, you'll go back to your tried and true products. So it's kind of, we wanted to make sure if you're buying or using these products, it didn't make you just want to go back to anything else. This had all the results that you're looking for and ingredients that were super clean and, and clean to our standards, which mm -hmm. is something that we've tried to be really transparent about. Because also like what Austin was saying, there are so many definitions of what clean means. So we try to be transparent with saying like we are clean and this is what clean means to us. Mm -hmm. Be very clear about the education behind that through all of our platforms. And how's the response been? I know from keeping tabs and being sort of in the beauty space on the digital side that um, consumers really have become frustrated with that with that label clean beauty with no definition because it can be confusing. Like what does that mean 
according to this company. And you guys are actually publishing the testing on your website. It links out to um, the third party testing. I like that you're making it clear to people because there's some backlash. And I, I wonder if you would be willing to comment on that backlash about the word clean beauty because people are like, what? So tell yeah. us about how that yeah. consumer response sort of fueled you guys to, to do a little bit more. Yeah, I think even like the first step of that is looking at like definition of words, right? There's no real definition that's approved, right, from from anyone in the regulatory space that's like uh, for like natural. The word natural doesn't have a true definition. That's where it gets very non-transparent, right? That's where the the waters kind of get muddied there. Um, so we try and stay away from using the word like natural. We don't use that, I feel like, anywhere other than like our ingredient space, which just means like it's a naturally occurring ingredient. You can find it anywhere in nature that you go. Um, but other than that, we try and stay away from those kind of muddy watered words, we call them, right? Um, and I think even when it comes to label claims, I like to use this one all the time, USDA organic, right, is 95% organic, not 100%. So we always try and make things, hence why we're trying to raise the standard, 100% um, transparent and 100% everything, right? Um, we looked at it from a perspective of why isn't it 100% um, natural or why isn't it 100% organic or why isn't it 100% vegan, right? And I think that's where everything gets skewed. But you can definitely sense um, the consumer's frustration with that, specifically on social media, right? You have these like gurus who will tell you that one thing is good and one thing is bad and you don't really know who to believe at the end of the day. Um, I think a lot of that comes down to personal research, who you listen to, and if that person that you listen to is really like more of a doctor, right? Versus a just a person that's trying to get famous on social media. That'd be my stance on it. But overall, we've had really good feedback the way that we communicate things. Mm -hmm. I think it is really hard when definitions are so all over the place. Like even the other day going into Sephora and looking at what's clean at Sephora. And then if you scan it on clean beauty apps, they're actually the lowest grade and lower than like Cetaphil or some of the other products that maybe seem drugstore and you would never assume that they're clean. So because of that, it makes it really hard on the consumer. Yeah, yeah the way to go about that too is like we're actually on Think Dirty. Think Dirty is a great mm -hmm. application for that to like scan products and easily find if your product is truly clean. They give a very good and fair score rating to each one of the products that are on there, like store wide. I would say it's a great application to have if you're truly involved in like the clean anything space. So you think that desire that that impetus for the customer will remain like they still will want something that you can prove to them is a little bit safer you you don't see that going anywhere right no no definitely not i think as as social media gets bigger as there becomes like twenty thousand different new media outlets we'll call them it's only going to get even more um involved the consumer is going to get even more involved in trying to find those healthy products because now you have 20 streams of information versus mm -hmm. like maybe one or two that you previously had yeah. Yeah. I mean, just like Hannah was saying with the testing and like chasing down a diagnosis or something like there's so much more out there. It can mm -hmm. cut both ways. It can overwhelm you the amount of information or you can take in the bits of it that can sort of help guide you. And I'm always in the camp of the more information, the better. You don't have to like take all of it in, but, but I love that. I want to talk specifically about the formulas now. Um, like I said, I've been sampling the line personally and really liking it. Um, the cleanser in particular, I have to talk about this because it's very, um, I don't know what the like lab term for it is, but when I rinse my face, it is clean, but it still has like 
moisture on it. Tell me specifically about that formula. And I've tried a lot of cleansing balms. It's interesting too. Some are like you wipe off with a washcloth and you need that. Some are just rinse with water. Tell me about what it is about that balm that cleanses, but also kind of leaves that moisture in. Because as a from the consumer perspective, that was a unique experience to me to have that still soft feeling after yeah. cleansing. Well, that is kind of the idea behind the cleansing balm. A lot of people you know, there's some people who grew up with a double cleanse and have mm -hmm. used that for a while, some people who have never. And I think if you're just used to some of regular gel or water-based cleansers, you are used to almost stripping your skin always and having that feeling and that being clean and not realizing that can really irritate your skin. It can break down your skin barrier. And a lot more, I would say, like Asian-inspired skincare routines have a double cleanse step or just have a lot more hydration built into their routines. So I think using this cleansing balm, we definitely formulated it to be a gentle cleanse. So especially like in the morning, if you didn't work out yet and you're just going straight to your day, you can just use the um, use our cleansing balm as a very gentle cleanser. So you're not stripping your skin of its natural oils. You're actually putting hydration into your skin while you cleanse. And then you can go through all of your normal routine and steps. But overall, if you're washing your face every single day with just a regular gel or water-based cleanser, it can really strip your skin. And we have natural oils that keep the hydration and collagen in your skin already. And do you, Hannah, when you're wearing makeup, like just a little girl chat for a second, do you use this at, you use this at night? Obviously, it goes on dry right? Mm -hmm. Dry skin. Do you typically follow up with a toner to like make sure everything is gone, sunscreen, makeup, etc.? Or how does it look in your routine at night in particular when we've been sweating or when we have yeah. product on our face? I, yeah, I always apply dry or onto dry skin and I work it in really well. Um, and then I just go straight into a double cleanser. So I first rinse off, sorry, I first rinse off the cleansing balm and then I go straight into a gel or water-based cleanser. And then I just wash that off like normal. I usually do that in the shower, but if I'm doing it in the sink too, I might use a, um, a cloth afterwards. But usually after working it really good into your skin, it can get off all your makeup just, in, um, just by using that. You don't really need a toner. But if you use a toner, I would say, I just don't like to really like strip my skin again. So if you use a toner, I would say more of like a spray toner that stays on your face or just dabbing the toner in. Yeah. Oh, I've noticed that so much is that like, I, I feel like I'm always re-perfecting my routine because sometimes my skin loves a toner and other times I do feel like it's just taking that extra layer off and it's just, oh, I don't know, it's, my yeah. skin is red and irritated and it's just not always a good thing. Do you also use the cleanser, Austin? Are you like full in on a skincare routine? I'm sure you are, right? I do. Yeah, of course. I have to be. Um, she gets on me if I'm not. To be honest with you. Um, yeah, more of definitely like uh, in, pre in preparation to go to bed. Definitely. You can even use the cleanser as a mask, which we prefer to. It's just so hydrating and to keep your skin so, I would say, non-rough, non specifically for men. Like I used to be extremely into like charcoal-based cleansers that would literally strip your skin, pretty much dehydrate, uh, for lack of a better word, the living hell out of your skin, right? So the difference has been insane because they're used to, you can always tell, especially when you shave as a man or anywhere, honestly, whenever you're using a cleanser like ours, it always, you can't see like white skin peeling off your face, right? But if you're using something like a charcoal cleanser, you can always step out of the shower, step out of the sink, right? And you'll see like 
really, really dry spots in your skin immediately for the most part, as soon as you wipe it off with the towel. Um, this one just isn't like that. That's why I like it. It keeps like a little bit of shine on your face. It definitely keeps mm -hmm. the moisture and hydration in your skin, even after a shave, a very close shave. Um, so it's, it's amazing. I honestly love it. Yeah, I feel like more guys are definitely getting into a skincare routine of sorts. I mean, it may, I don't know, you could speak to this better than I can, how how much it's actually catching on, but it does seem like at least there's more awareness about it. Do your friends like have routines too? I think some of them do, some of them don't, is what I would say. Like they're not, they're definitely not as uh, high on the skincare spectrum as women, that's for sure. Um, but obviously I've been a big proponent of trying to push them to have that. Um, specifically my best friends, the ones that I'm around constantly and like, uh, sometimes I'll even call them out like, hey, your skin's looking a little dry. You haven't used your standard today. Oh, stop. <laughs> I love it. They're like, <laughs> easy, easy, easy way to kind of uh, fear them into <laughs> using the product. That's um, awesome. They also get it on us. So it's 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 very nice. It's a win-win situation. I'll put it that way. Yeah, you can pass them out for holiday gifts. That's like not a bad thing to all the all the, all yeah. the guys in your life. Yeah. Exactly. Also, when we were branding it and and thinking about the packaging, we wanted it to be something that guys were comfortable with, mm -hmm. you know, and whether that's them just using it at their girlfriend's house or with their partner and just having it be a product that they're comfortable using. Cause there are a lot of skincare products that men could always use, but if it's more, if it's in a bottle that feels like too feminine or um, just doesn't feel neutral. I think a lot of guys would be shy away from using it, you know? So our products are also fragrance free, so they're not, they're also just very neutral in the actual formula. Yeah, I was going to say that this is a line that like you're not if you're a guy, you're like you're okay with having out on the on the shelf. It's like that turquoise. It's just like a nice color. It's like not overly girly. It's not overly guy. I feel like, you know, it's good aesthetically. How was it during the formulation process too? Because um, I, I, I don't know too much, but I know that there's some back and forth with the lab. How much, Hannah and Austin, did you guys go in and deliberately say to them, okay, this is the ingredient I want, or did you, was it more of a back and forth process where they suggested ingredients based on, you know, what kind of outcome you wanted? How was that? It was definitely a back and forth because we had a long list of no's. We gave them their work. We have an amazing chemist that's our partner in this. And we gave them a lot of work though, because we had really high standards of what we wanted the formula to do for someone's skin, but also what we didn't want in the formula. And that's very hard to do, especially with the texture and feel, specifically with the eye cream. Um, I had a lot of eye creams that I loved and were ones that we use as benchmark for texture and, and lasting feel, but they are far from being clean. So the task was like, how can we get this same effect, but still be really clean and be ingredients that match our brand pillars. So that was something that was a bit of a back and forth, which was like, okay, here's ingredients that we're interested in yeah. putting in our whole line. Like our current three products, we call our bioactive hydration collection. And we have an emphasis on hyaluronic acid, sea buckthorn oil. Those are pretty much found in each of our products. So we wanted to hear those ingredients, but then also, like I said, we had some performance elements that we had to toy around with. Like mm -hmm. with our eye cream, we probably tried four or five different kinds of actives to get that feel and the performance that we were looking for. Yeah. It has the slip of a product with a dimethicone or like a silicone of some kind, but without having that, I generally, I, I like never like to 
say a hundred percent what a skincare philosophy is because it, it changes. But generally speaking, I try to stay away from dimethicone. My skin just, unless it's like once in a while. So I, I noticed that it does have that slip without having that ingredient. Exactly. And that was for me, the eye cream that I was obsessed mm -hmm. with forever was La Mer's eye cream. Oh. And one, the price point is not very accessible. And two, yeah. the feel of it is amazing because of silk cones, honestly. That's yeah. why it has that feel that's so, like you wake up in the morning and you still feel that hydration under your eyes. And so specifically that product, I wanted it to have also a little more of a cooling effect too. So we definitely didn't just use that as the benchmark product alone, but um, that was an inspiration for that texture. And I think we got pretty close to it. People without even knowing that was the inspiration product have said it feels like a La Mer dupe. So we've heard oh, many times. Wow. That's amazing. That's like no small task. Yeah. It was very, yeah, it was hard. <laughs> Our poor test. It took us like two years. Yeah. <laughs> serious. That was my other question. Like how long, that, that, so it's a years long process. Yeah. yeah. So from start to finish, and I will say like, it, it happened during COVID that we were mostly working on this. We started it right before COVID hit. And just between the packaging and working with all of our suppliers for whether it's packaging or the actual product itself, all of that process took a cumulative like two years and two months, I would say. Wow. So what's on the horizon? I mean, you guys have this core collection. I mean, you could certainly stay in that streamlined space. Do you have a desire to grow it? And if so, what type of product would you be adding? Oh yeah. yeah, that's actually one of the reasons why we didn't call it standard skincare. We want to make sure that everything, every future product line is within this realm of self-care, but also not just skincare, right? Yeah. Um, so we have a couple of things that we can't talk about yet or else it'll kill me, um, but we have a couple more skin products coming out. And then I think after that, we'll step into kind of some of the other spaces, maybe supplementation, things like that, things that I'm very excited about. Um, but we kind of need to complete the skincare line first, I would say. Yeah. You guys need a good SPF. We're Floridians, you know, yes. we're always out in the sun. Give yeah. me a mineral sunscreen. I'll talk all about it for you. <laughs> yeah, we will. We will. I, like I also that. think um, we were super proud to have launched with three products. There's, we're still new and there's a lot of brands who launched with only one product and had that for a couple of years. So we're happy that we launched with three, but we want to make sure that we can complete someone's full skincare routine. And then like Austin said, move into other parts of your self-care routines. We're definitely, you kind of hit the nail on the head. We'll give you that. We're definitely kind of want to move, obviously face next comes body. So we'll go that route for sure to start. I love that. I, I do think, and, and this goes back to how you guys integrate your wellness routines into it. A consumer these days does like to sort of buy into a philosophy or buy into something that, you know, can help them in lots of ways, face care, body care, supplementation. So I'm here for it. I think it's really exciting. Um, what else is next for you guys individually? Do, do you stick with, is this your main project? I know you're very entrepreneurial in nature. What else can we expect from you guys sort of individually or as a team? Other things we can keep an eye out on. Yeah, definitely. Um, with creation of like standard self-care and just because we're just super entrepreneurial at heart um, and we've worked together for so long, him and I have known each other for 10 years. Um, but we actually each owned our separate agencies at one point, right? And we're actually working on currently combining those into a venture studio to kind of work and make new brands in that inside of that same realm that Standard kind of came to a creation of. So like, a, a, like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like pe brands 
or entrepreneurs or small, you know, business owners would go to you and like you would help what, like fund and launch them, like a beauty yeah. seed space kind of, or what? Exactly. And it's not even just beauty. We have clothing. We have mostly just CPG products in general because we've done everything cumulatively from like bars to clothing. Um, we have a lot of a lot of different experience that adds up to make kind of 100% as a whole. That's okay. So let me ask you this real quick, just because I do think this advice is very worthwhile too. What advice would you give an entrepreneur? Because in your space, I'm sure you see many people come to you with great ideas, even great physical products, maybe that they've already made. What's the difference between someone who launches and, and sticks and is successful and someone who isn't? Yeah, I have a different theory on this. Like we started our service-based businesses before to kind of fund our product-based businesses, right? Okay. That's how I always like to look at it. Both of us started with zero dollars, right? We didn't take funding for our agencies. We didn't do any of that. We kind of just stuck it out for the multitude of years and failures that it took to get there, right? Mm -hmm. And that's what it, it really takes resilience and perseverance at the end of the day, right? A lot of people, and I think most people in the entrepreneur space, right? They might call themselves an entrepreneur. They might go out and try once, but that's definitely never enough, right? Yeah. Some people do have luck. Some people do have connections, right? For us, that just wasn't the necessary case, right? We wanted to go out and just how we were kind of raised and where we're from. It allows us to realize that like starting from zero, it gives you kind of more pride in my opinion mm -hmm. to have something start from zero and see it all the way through, right? And that's exactly what we want to help some of these entrepreneurs that might not have had the experience that we have do. Well, so, okay. I, I'm only speaking from my experience, like, and I guess I would be more in, I mean, certainly not in the physical product space. What advice then would you give to someone who, who is like, say you're starting, like you said, no investors, no nothing. What are the people, who are the people worth bringing on board to help you grow? I know that that's a struggle for lots of entrepreneurs because you can have a very worthwhile service. In fact, you can be providing something no one else might be able to, but you have trouble maybe packaging it up and like branding it correctly, or you get to the point where you have a couple of clients and you want to scale up to like maybe hire someone to work with you, but you don't know how to do that. Like this is for me as much as it is for other people. So who are the, who are the key people guys that helped you grow that the positions that you brought on that helped growth? I need to know this. Well, Austin talks about this a lot, but I, I think it's definitely identifying what you're not good at. So I think that's the key. So it's not like a one size fits all because I'm not sure, you know, whoever's listening to this, what your individual skills are. But I think honing in and being, you know, it's good to be that person who can be the jack of all trades because that can get you somewhere, but it's not going to get you to the scale that you need. So it's really honing in. Okay. What energizes me? Also, what am I good at? And if you're also doing things that you know don't energize you and you're just kind of burning the candle, that's not going to be good either. So Figuring that out and then isolating who around you can do the opposite skills and can really be that countermatch for you. So mm -hmm. like for me and Austin, like Austin is a lot more like his brain focused on functionality and focuses in a different way than mine does. So I'm mm -hmm. more focused on the outcome and like how it comes out visually and the brand perspective and um, kind of how to make everything feel fuzzy and big. And so I think both of our skill sets and our experiences are very uh, complementary to each other. And so, and then even if you like add our third co-founder to the mix, yeah. like mm -hmm. he doesn't have the same talents that we do. He's more on the finance side, right? Mm -hmm. So we yeah. kind of have a very wide spectrum of people that can do things very well and all complement each other. How to yeah. find that is probably the toughest part. Back to your question, um, the only way to find that that I've ever really 
experienced in my life, unfortunately, right, is to pick up the phone. That was that'd be my number one piece of advice. Pick up the phone, call mentors first, right? See if you can get some guidance and direction in the right realm, right? So you can start somewhere. That doesn't mean that even everyone that they send your way is going to be good. That does not mean that everything that they do for you is going to be good, but try and learn as much as possible. The biggest thing that I didn't know when I was young and I had like three or four failures right off the bat is that I thought I knew a good amount about what was going on, but every single day I would learn something new that would kind of blow my mind. I'd be like, how did I know that already? How did no one tell me that already? But no one walks the same path that you do in life. So it's very, it's very crucial to think of it from a perspective of picking up the phone, calling the people. Don't just go with your first option. I think that's most people's mistake scope like 15 options and then right. see what those 15 during those 14 or 15 interviews or whatever you want to call them do for you, how they educate you and kind of put that back on, okay, now I have these 15 people that I can look at bringing on to my team. Mm-hmm. Which one really talked the talk and kind of summated all of those 15s knowledge into one person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I the founding teams that I was on, when I was way younger were very helpful for me because I watched like two co-founders that had actually the same skill set and that ended up becoming kind of the demise of the company because you know you need to have kind of complementary skill sets because at the end of the day all the work needs to get done all the people need to be managed so if two partners have the same skill sets that can also lead to um, a, not a great outcome and then also being able to fire anyone that you hire because I also have seen that be really detrimental to a team because if you you know a lot of times your first hires are people who are just around and available they might not actually have this specific skill set that you need as you scale and so if you hire someone early and as the role adapts you actually need a, a more someone who's more specific to a skill set not just a generalist you have to be able to unfortunately fire sometimes, even if it's someone who's close to you. Also hold, your, hold yourself accountable for your expectations, right? Don't go looking on social media and trying to find your, your maybe a mentor is okay, but don't mm-hmm. try to find your hero there because a lot of them are just kind of out there lying for lack of a better word. Yeah. <laughs> like a lot of them say a lot of things and then they don't do them. Go out and do them. It's going to teach you a thousand times more than listening to someone else will. Um, but your expectation should be held at failure. Honestly, like you should expect to fail at least five times, but also learn from those failures and still be resilient as far as I'm concerned. What do you qualify as a failure to? Is that like your bank account goes back to zero or your business, your bank account goes to zero on a small, that's on like a big scale for your own business on a smaller scale. It could be as simple as like we were just talking about you hire someone that you thought was great and they weren't, but you learned from it. Right. Right. Um, that happens all the time. Still happens to me, <laughs> to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, that's just a part of business's life cycle, though. You have to understand if someone even walks now, I'm kind of like pulled back. I used to be able to like hire someone within three, five interviews, right? Now I have to interview like 20 people because I know exactly what I'm looking for. And if someone at least is like walks into the office or I'm on a call with, right? and they walk in with a bad attitude, that's rule number one for me. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I don't want to work in an environment that I'm not happy to come into, right? Because that's going to deplete my my want and need to work just as much as someone who's just bad at their job, to be honest with you. You have to look for someone with characteristics that's not only going to drive themselves, but drive those around you. Yeah, I hear a lot of um, founders, and again, I'm kind of in the more of the media space and like digital product space or podcasting, And I was just talking to a woman the other day and she was like, you know, 
my mistake was hiring, and this isn't a cut on younger people, so please don't take it that way, anyone listening, but she's like, um, Gen Z has been, they've been great workers for me. They've been great interns. I'm still having trouble with my millennial you know, employees, they're coming to me with, you know, this isn't the type of work I was hired for. I refuse to do it. I, you know, and I'm seeing, I'm hearing a lot of these people in that space in the entrepreneurial space be like, I just wish I knew, how do you know? Like, do you believe in the gut check feeling when you're interviewing someone that you have an idea or like, is it just kind of getting out there and just seeing what happens after you hire them? hundred percent. You gotta, you gotta run through them as fast as you can. Unfortunately, that yeah. sounds terrible, but that's just the way it is. You're never going to know someone's whole life, who they are, how they work, et cetera, from an hour to two hour long interviews. I've interviewed people five times in one, in multiple different rounds and thought they're great. And then they come into the office and for lack of a better word, it's just not the right fit. Right. Um, that's just the way it goes. And that can't, depletes your energy that can't mm -hmm. make you less optimistic on your own future, your business's future. That just should give you more drive to just honestly be faster in the process. Mm -hmm. I think also there is something about, I don't know, certain age groups right now where the work ethic is. It's sure. tough. You're being so yeah. diplomatic, Hannah. Just tell us who you're talking about. Yeah, no, <laughs> I mean, I think we probably all have experiences. You just said that you have, and also also yeah. nine, many of times it's like, you hire someone, they want the role, they're asking for it. I was literally just on a call today with a couple of people and they have amazing companies and people come to them all the time. Like, mm -hmm. I will just work for you for free. Like, let me work for you. Same thing has happened to us where people really want to work. They want the work They they also need the money. And so it seems like, oh, like great mm -hmm. fit. They have the skill set you need to hire them. And then once they're onboarded, they actually at the end of the day don't want to work. They yeah. want to put in mm -hmm. as separate as possible and they're kind of floating around and i do think there's something about social media where people see ways that you can make money really quick and they think that there's no work involved mm -hmm. and i think there is something to that um For because sure. then once they get the job and then they're in it and then they realize they actually don't want to show up to work or they don't want to exceed expectations right. that's also really tough um, one of my friend's dads was at Deloitte for over 30 plus years and their number, he just retired this year, but his number one um, thing that he always would tell me is they're always 30% understaffed or more because they're always looking for more workers. They can't find enough people to work. Whereas, you know, of course in the economy, everyone's saying like, oh, people are getting laid off, whatever, whatever, but they can't find enough good workers because they keep trying to hire people and, and nobody really wants to work. Everyone wants like a to-do list of do this, this, and this. Nobody yeah. wants to go above and beyond and be um, independent workers. And so they're constantly looking for more. It's so frustrating. Like I, how many free hours of labor I have given to my industry, I couldn't count them. And I know that sounds like kind of an old person standing on a pedestal type of thing, but I really am not interested in people who, who don't have the drive to show up out of sheer curiosity. If, yeah. you, if you, you need to be paid to show up to an industry that you're allegedly interested in working for decades in, come for free for a couple of days, you know, for a week or two. Like it's, yeah. it's very, it is curious. And, and I have heard that same thing, Hannah, from other people in other industries, like yeah. going through rounds and rounds of interviews and like no one really at the end of the day, like offers have been put out and they're like, you know what? I'm good. I don't know what to blame for that social media. I don't know. But, um, I just kind of wanted to, I, I thought it was an important part of this conversation because of course, yes, we're talking skincare and wellness, but like you guys are living, um, 
you know, an embodiment of like the hard work you put into it. I, I think people see these products and they're like, oh, that's cool. I want to be, I want to build a brand or I want to have a podcast, right? And what they don't know is like the personal stress, the financial mm -hmm. stress that it takes to launch some of this stuff. So like, I'm, I'm glad you guys went into that with me because there's so much more behind the product that I think oh, we yeah. just don't see. Sure. It's a prime example of people seeing the end result and not yeah. 10 years that it took to build it, right? Yeah. I know. I know. Oh, my gosh. Well, I just... People now want everything right now, and it's just, like, not possible. That's yeah. another expectation setting for yourself that you have to realize. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you for taking the time to, like, dive into the brand, but also, like, the build up to it to the launch and to the products. Um, I know we can find you all over the social media platforms. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about where, where to find you guys and track down the products? Yeah, our website is just our name. So it's standardselfcare.com. And then our Instagram handles for the skincare line is everywhere at standard selfcare. So we're mostly active on Instagram and TikTok, I would say, but you can find us on any platform that you are on. And then our personal is mine is at Hannah Minardi. And mine is the goat of the gram. Yes. The goat of the what? The goat of the gram. <laughs> my agency is goat commerce. So oh, that's cool. Okay. Brand. Yeah. I will find you guys. Um, Hannah and Austin, thank you so much for talking with me today. Thanks for having us. We also have a discount code for all your listeners today. So it's, we got to talk 40 for 40% off of your order. Awesome. I'll put that in show notes as well, guys. We got to talk 40 at their website, standardselfcare.com. Guys, thank you again so much. Thanks for having time. us, honey. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this latest episode of We Gotta Talk. If you don't mind, I would love if you can leave a rating and review. Those help this show to get out to people who might find it useful or entertaining. I'm so grateful for your support. Please follow on Instagram at Sunny or check out our latest blog post at wegotatalk.com slash blog. See you next time.